Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, March 3rd. It's a Wednesday. J.C. Sherbert here with you. Gamecock fans wanted to get back with you quickly this week because uh, there are things going on, lots of things happening. And uh, when there are things happening, we certainly love to talk about it here on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Be sure to follow this podcast on Twitter at the Big Spur Pod. Um, if you're not already, also on Instagram, Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Uh, or sorry, Inside the Gamecocks, at Inside the Gamecocks on Instagram. Uh, and also all of our Big Spur channels, at the Big Spur 247 on Twitter, uh, at the Big Spur 247 on Instagram. Facebook is 24-7 Sports, South, South Carolina Gamecocks at 24-7 Sports. Uh, just want to tell you guys to, that you can reach us on social media without going to the website or listening to me yammer here uh, on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Uh Starting off, some recruiting stuff, uh, kind of a uh, one of those things that happens sometimes uh, in recruiting and, you know, with the crystal ball on 24-7 sports, we see it and we panic uh, and some sometimes like that. And uh, Gene Swindoll, who is our very successful Mississippi State publisher for 24-7 sports, he has Gene's page. Uh, he's had it for years. Um, certainly a guy that in this business I've had a lot of respect for, uh, had some interesting things to say about Tanner Bailey said, you know, uh, it was premature to crystal ball in South Carolina and at best and woefully inaccurate at worst. Uh, and he puts in a crystal ball from Mississippi state with a confidence of eight. So I want to break this down for you. Uh, first and foremost, we all have our sources, and I have no doubt that Gene heard that from somebody with Mississippi State. Uh, I've said from the beginning, so has Helma Granahan, Mississippi State is right down the road from Gordo, Alabama, where Tanner Bailey's from. Uh, that is on the way from Tuscaloosa uh, to Starkville, right there uh, on the way. Uh, I think he's the perfect fit for a Mike Leach-style offense. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Will Rogers, the kid that took over for them this year um, coming out, you know, and, and so I know why they're very interested in him and then they think highly of him and they're fighting like hell to get him. Um, and, and I don't, you know, I don't doubt that. Uh, I'll say this, we did some reconnaissance uh, and talked to sources at South Carolina and Mississippi state, uh, other sources at Mississippi state. And, and we still feel good. Hale McGranahan, Tony Morrell and myself, plus Paul Jones, uh, a Mississippi State insider uh, for them. Uh, we still feel good about uh, our prediction of Tanner Bailey, quarterback from Gordo, Alabama, four-star kid uh, to the Gamecocks at this point. Um, you know, and, and like I said, not trying to run Gene down, anything like that. I have no doubt he heard what he heard. I don't think he's lying, uh, but uh, we're standing by uh, what we've predicted on the crystal ball. Uh, as far as uh, the Gamecocks and Tanner Bailey go. And that's after, you know, anytime you hear something like that, you get nervous and you want to go and, and check it out and, and run it by some people. And we've, you know, run it by some people and we feel pretty, uh, pretty confident right now uh, in, in what we're predicting. Now I'll say this, things can change. And we are in a situation with recruiting nationally and covering this stuff where, you know, uh, kids have to commit if they're going to commit early sight unseen. 
Um, I'm almost positive he's been to Mississippi State before. Um, I, I don't know that he's even on the fast track to a commit. What the crystal ball prediction is, is when we have enough intelligence to go on, uh, we put the prediction in, you know, for, for the Gamecocks or whoever. Um, and we had enough uh, intelligence to go on. And that was coming from both sides. Uh, you know, it, it's not something that's that's hard and fast. You can change your prediction on crystal ball, which some people get mad about that. But uh, uh, I, I think that, you know, when you look at kind of the points you're given and the accuracy points and all that, um, hey, you know, you, you don't get many points for being in the zero zone when you switch it right at the last minute. Uh, it has to do with how far out in advance you are. Um, and I don't think it'd be fun if you couldn't change it because you have no way as fans to, to realize if a kid is trending one way or the other, uh, you know, and, and that's kind of the whole purpose. It, it's not – it's kind of like a political poll. Uh, you know, you have to look at it like that. It's not like a, a gambling thing where we're like, you know, putting out a futures bet in Vegas and hopefully we win it. Um, it's it's for you guys to see where guys are trending to. Trending is one thing. Trends can change, as we all know. Uh, you know, you look at, you know, polls and politics, you know, sometimes, and they've been woefully inaccurate at times. Um, you know, so I'm not saying it's the most accurate thing in the world. Uh, I will say that, uh, you know, 71% all time, it's accurate, the crystal ball, uh, at the end. Uh, and so I, I think that, you know, that's what you got to look for. And you also got to look at who's putting it in, where and why. Uh, I like it because it creates discussion points. You know, here I've been sitting here talking about this for a while. And I talked about Tanner Bailey earlier this week and didn't expect to go back to it. But I wanted to let you guys know, you know, about that particular crystal ball prediction and let you know that after checking with folks, uh, including folks in Starkville on the ground, we feel good about the situation. Uh, you know, as far as the Gamecocks go right now, right now. And, and there's four picks in for the Gamecocks, one for Mississippi State right now. So it's 80 20. Uh, nobody's changed theirs that have had the Gamecocks and all that. So we'll, we'll monitor it. Uh, like I said, the crystal ball is not a guarantee. Uh, just like a commitment is not even a guarantee these days. It's, it's not over until they sign. Uh, but I do think that uh, South Carolina remains in pretty good shape for four star quarterback. Tanner Bailey from Gordo, Alabama. Been through there many times. Every time I've been to Mississippi State, I've been through Gordo. So uh, I know exactly where it is. You, you lose, I think you lose cell phone service right after Gordo, pick it back up after you cross the line. Uh, but that's uh, going from Tuscaloosa to Starkville, which is which is how I've gone to Starkville. Some of you I know go through Tupelo and, and that area. I've always gone through Tuscaloosa. So I, you know, I'm familiar with that route over there to Mississippi State. Gamecock baseball continues to mash the ball. Last night, uh, it's uh, it, it's nineteen to eight up at Winthrop. Uh, all the angst and consternation uh, aside about the broadcast, uh, we found a way to cover it on the big spur, and I think there was some audio too. Uh, Carolina sitting up sixteen three, just a one of those softball type scores, uh, I think. Uh, softball high school probably because the, the the high the softball in college I've noticed is like you know four to two sometimes I get some good pitching uh, on that level but uh 19 to eight Gamecocks pitched a lot of pitchers played a lot of players uh good midweek win seven and oh Mercer's coming to town they had their game at Florida State canceled this week Mercer's coming in for three 
uh, boy, you just you just hope. And you know, baseball is not an undefeated sport. So, you know, I think a lot of folks have gotten on the baseball bandwagon uh, because they're just looking for something because of football and basketball's failures this year or lack of wins. You know, I, I don't. You know, you use the word failure sometimes in the year that we're in, and you feel bad about it. Uh, because of the the challenges that aren't really the fault of of the players and all that, so you know failure. Uh, you know, you guys can use the word failure all you want. I probably shouldn't have said that, but because of the lack of wins, people are latching on. Uh, you lose a game to Mercer this weekend. Uh, don't melt down. You know, baseball is not an undefeated sport by any stretch. In fact, you know you can play below five hundred ball in the SEC and go pretty far in the NCAA tournament. And you know, I, I don't. I would hope that that doesn't happen to this team, um, but it's a tough league. You know, South Carolina's got a lot of good players back, but the rest of the league does too. And, and the top four teams in college baseball right now are Vanderbilt, Arkansas, Mississippi State, and Ole Miss. You know, right there and kind of a – and they're all in the SEC, and uh, I think uh, three of them are in the West. So Vandy's in the East, and Vandy's the opening series for the Gamecocks uh, in the SEC. But Mercer's coming to town first. Mercer's a – been a very successful program. They're off to a slow start this year, obviously getting swept by Southern Illinois. Boy, it's been a pretty good uh, athletic time for Southern Illinois University lately. We've talked about this on the J.C. and Morgan podcast, and the Salukis beat North Dakota State in football uh, the other week, and so high times in Carbondale. Uh, but um, they said they swept Mercer pretty badly. I mean, they, they lit up the pitching. So you have to like the Gamecocks' chances to – to continue their hot hitting um, and this weekend series sets up pretty well. So if you can get to 10 and 0 and steal one down at the Citadel the next week and 11 and 0 heading into Austin, Texas for a, you know, kind of a, a I don't want to, I guess it is historic in a way because, you know, Carolina doesn't normally do this uh, with a, against a fellow big time baseball program other than Clemson uh, with a three game road series against the Texas Longhorns and, you know, certainly there is some history there. Uh, I think they've met all every time at the College World Series. Uh, the last time was in 02. Um, and by the way, to plug the J.C. and Morgan podcast yet again, Mike Morgan goes down memory lane. We had Ryan McGee from ESPN on. Uh, and we talked a lot of college baseball, talked a lot about Omaha, College World Series, that event. Um, and Mike kind of told the story of the first time he went with the Gamecocks as the play-by-play guy. Uh, of course, Carolina – you know, that was a weird deal. Carolina loses to Georgia Tech 11 nothing, and then just goes on a tear. Uh, Clemson was the number one team in the country that year with Khalil Green and really good pitchers, and that was probably Jack Leggett's first or second best chance to get a title when he was at Clemson. Um, everybody was like, oh, it's so neat. You know, I was working in Seneca, South Carolina at the time. Oh, it's so neat they're playing the Gamecocks but let's just go ahead and crown them. I remember USA Today had a story that was like Clemson closing in on a national championship and the Gamecocks beat them 12-4 and then came back the next day and beat them (laughs) 10-2. And it was the Gamecocks. And that that sort of started the Ray Tanner mystique, I think. Ray had really turned it around and and, and took over from June Reigns, had a winning season his first year, which is kind of unexpected. It's like 32-25. and the next year, they were a 44-win team, went to a regional. Um, that was before they expanded the tournament to 64. But then 99 happened. Uh, Gamecocks went 35-23, and 23, 
won the East. That was the first time they'd split up into the our no, they had the, the first time it was 64 team field, you know, with the super regionals and got left out of the field. I mean, that, that was a 98 99 was just a brutal sports year. You know, Carolina went one and 10 in football, fired Brad Scott, Lou comes in, Eddie Fogler coming off two straight NCAA tournaments, goes eight and 21 in BJ Mackey's senior year. Uh, and then Tanner's baseball team, you know, had some, some promise, won the division, but then didn't get in the big dance. The next year, of course, Carolina's number one in the country most of the year, loses to Lafayette. The next year, really good team, won 49 games, went out to Stanford and, and lost a tough Super Regional. And then that 0-2 team, and we remember also the Super Regional that year when Miami came to town and looked like they had the Gamecocks beat. And it was another Super Regional loss and kind of one of those famous Gamecock rallies. That was a, that was a good baseball team that, that they had that year, went all the way to the finals. Uh, that was the first of three straight Omaha trips. Then, of course, they took the break. Uh, about six years, came back to 2010, 2011, won it all. 2012, played for all the marbles. Uh, but that team Carolina ran into in Texas, that was, that was a good team. I remember they got off to a good start. Gamecocks rallied like they always did, cut it to 8-6. I think, if I'm not mistaken, Jerome Peters, and I think I've said this on the podcast before, had a ball that was about three feet from going over the fence that were giving Carolina the lead late and – uh, back then, it was a one-game playoff for uh, for the whole ball of wax. It wasn't a best-of-three series. But, uh, you know, that, that was the last time they played Texas. And, you know, I think, you know, Mark Kingston, you know, probably has a different philosophy. Uh, and uh, I think he wants to challenge this team and get them ready for the, you know, the SEC. Texas played some SEC teams. They, they have this big thing out in Dallas, which – I think if Carolina could ever get out there and play that thing uh, at the Texas Rangers ballpark, actually Arlington, Texas, uh, they had the World Series and, and all that this year at that ballpark. But they played a big college thing. I think they lost Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Um, you know, the Longhorns went down out there. Um, so they haven't had a good run of it with SEC teams. But, uh, you know, it's best of three and it's in Austin. Uh, so that's next after Mercer. So if you can be 11 and 0 going into Austin, and then you got a trip to Vandy, and then, then it just gets brutally tough. Florida comes in for three, and then I think Georgia's after that. But you, you still got all these teams. Um, if you're Carolina, there are no off weekends, you know, from here on out. Uh, and that's good. That's good because that gets you battle-tested. And, you know, it's going to test and stretch this very deep pitching staff. Uh, you know, it's going to test the, the, the batters. Uh, you're going to face some good pitching uh, and all that good stuff moving forward. But, you know, 19-8 over Winthrop. And, and look, hey, look, here's the deal. <laughs> uh, midweek wins or midweek wins in baseball, um, you know, they're, they're, they're good to have. Uh, and one thing I've learned following this program uh, since kind of the downturn, uh, if, if you want to say that, uh, is that these midweek games, if you don't win them, they can come back to really haunt you. Uh, when it comes to NCAA tournament time, you know, the, you know, you get on a stretch and then you're losing to the PCs of the world or whoever that hurts your, you know, RPI and, you know, whatever they use to, to select the tournament. And it can, it can really, really damage your prospects, I think. Um, so they're important. Um, Tanner used to say that, you know, we, we've talked, uh, uh, I don't remember who it was, if it was Whittle on here, or whether it was on JB and Goldwater, um, they, which, by the way, I'll be on today, later today. 
Um, but they said Tanner, he said, win the midweeks, win on Friday, win on Sunday. You know, that was kind of his philosophy. Saturday, just go try your best, you know, or whatever. Not that he wasn't trying to win on Saturday, but I think Ray Tanner wanted to win every single time out. But these midweek games are important because they can come back to bite you. And Carolina's got, you know, uh, coming up on April 6th in Charlotte, they play North Carolina uh, midweek. They got a bunch of games with the Citadel. They do play North Florida later, who I think is pretty good, App State. But, man, I mean, you know, you look at this thing. Clemson Clemson again in May, midweek. Uh, but, man, you look at this schedule. It's, you know, Florida and then three at Georgia. You know, North Carolina coming up after that. Three against Missouri. Uh, you know, then they go to Baton Rouge. And then Arkansas comes to town. They're number one in the country right now. Ole Miss, I think, is in the top four. You got Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. You know, so from April, you know, and that Arkansas is after at LSU for three. So from April 15th to May 9th, May 11th, let's go May 11th where you go Clemson. Um, you know, wow. Uh, at LSU for three, Arkansas at home for three, another game against the Citadel, at Ole Miss for three, North Florida, Mississippi State comes in for three, at Clemson, and then at Kentucky for three, App State, and then Tennessee comes in. Tennessee's pretty good football baseball team this year, too. So it's it's going to be a challenge, you know, and we'll talk about this a whole lot moving forward. And, again, I'll remind everybody, baseball is not an undefeated sport, you know, and, and sometimes you drop games to teams and you're like, wow, how did that happen? But, um, you know, that's just kind of how things stand. But 19-8, big win by the Gamecocks. Uh, Mercer coming in this weekend. Get you the first pitch time, 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, SEC Network Plus on Friday, 4 p.m. Saturday, SEC Network Plus. And then Sunday, it's on the SEC Network, so you don't have to stream it. Uh, if you get SEC Network, Mike Morgan actually is going to be on the call uh, for the game against Mercer on Sunday. So a little tidbit there. Uh, again, JC and Morgan Podcast, check out our episode this week. If you just like college football and college sports, I think that's, uh, that's probably a good deal. Uh, right there. Gamecocks have announced a partnership with uh, like Altius Sports is how you pronounce it. I hope so. I hope I'm not. Uh, Altius Sports. Um, and this is about the, the name industry likeness kind of deal. Uh, they're an advisory and educational firm um, that's going to kind of help maximize this and develop the approach. And this is something, you know, you need some consultants on and I think it's a good move by Ray Tanner and the administration. Um, you know, you, you need sort of somebody to help guide the way. Um, and right now Gamecocks appears with their third big time client LSU and Texas are the other two. Uh, obviously those schools uh, and their athletics departments uh, are preparing for this. And so uh, I think the Gamecocks are a pretty good company uh, we will see, you know, how it all plays out. But I think this is very proactive uh, in terms of, um, you know, helping to develop uh, the name image likeness thing for Gamecock student athletes. Cause that, that's important. You know, you're going to have to compete in that space with uh, other schools. Uh, and if other schools have a better deal than you do, then uh, you're going to, you're going to have some problems, you know, um, obviously because, Money makes the world go round, and that's what this thing is about, money. Now, I'll say this. I think that, you know, there is a potential, large potential for abuse 
with this thing, especially, you know, with regards to things like Jersey sales and all that. And we don't have the exact rules right now as to like, what is there going to be a cap? Can you spend so much per school? What is market value? But, but I think if they say, okay, this is, you know, if it stays with market value, I think you're going to find that some of these guys that, that think they have a lot of market value, probably it's not as much as they think uh, because I still believe, and look, I, I'm for everybody getting as much as they can. You know, I, I'm fine with, with whatever, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, you can't go have a camp uh, and work it, you know, a football camp in the summer uh, where you work with kids, which is giving back to your community and, man, it costs 40 bucks and you get 20 of it. If you're the kid, if you're the player or something, you know, I think stuff like that's great because it, it, it's also community outreach. And it's as far as, you know, commercials and things like that, you know, it's no different than, you know, a theater major going out and being in a commercial. Uh, you know, if you're on theater scholarship, they don't, they don't keep you from making that money. Um, you know, theater students also go and do summer stock during the summer where they do, I guess they tour and do, I mean, if you're lucky, you get in a, a touring show, but it's mostly like Renaissance fairs and stuff like that. But, you know, you're still making money in college. Uh, we don't we don't limit people that are on academic scholarship. Um, and, and so why should you limit people that are on sports scholarship? But I, I, I'll say this, too, though. I, I think a lot of the value, the, the, the millions of dollars that you, people talk about all the time and continue to hammer home, you know, yes, the student athletes are the ones that are out there sweating and, you know, when it comes to football, you know, beating their body up and, and training and working hard and trying to go to school and, you know, for them not to get a penny is probably fundamentally wrong. Now, that being said, when you talk about the market, uh, the value comes that you play for South Carolina. You know, the value comes that you, you play for Texas or LSU. Uh, college sports is, is not about it's not like the NBA where, you know, the individual is, is probably above the team. You know, it's, you know, you look at the NBA, there's the big brands are what the Lakers and Celtics and that's it. You know, maybe the bulls for, because of when Jordan played. Uh, but the value in college is the fact that, you know, what's on the front of the Jersey, not the back. Now it doesn't mean the name on the back can't, you know, sell some jerseys and, and make some extra corn, and rightfully so. But uh, I think when, when we start talking about value uh, and things like that, people completely these days dismiss the value that the brand of the college brings to the table with regards to the student athlete. If you go play, uh, you know, I've said it many times, if, if the top, you know, 1,000 football players in, in every recruiting class decides to go play minor league football, then there's another thousand behind them that will come play college and you're still going to get the same crowd and, you know, the, the same, <laughs> same results. I mean, you know, the, the guys going straight to the pros and in, in the NBA didn't hurt the college game. The NCAA tournament went up in value uh, and the same is true with football, you know, and, and football is such a, a, a crapshoot anyway, you know, you take those thousand, put them in a minor league program, 500 of them aren't going to make it to the NFL, and you're going to have 500 coming from college that do. Um, and so people have to use some common sense with, with, with stuff like this. I think that, you know, just like with everything these days, people are on one side or the other, and, you know, it's all or nothing, but, but that's just not the case. Uh, it, it's not all or nothing.
uh, with this. But anyway, Gamecocks have a partner now, Altia Sports. Um, I think this is smart. You know, I, I don't know much about the company. I hope they do a good job. I'm usually highly skeptical of consultants uh, when it comes to college athletics, but it looks like these guys, based on who they're working with right now, I mean, you know, Chris Del Conte, the uh, athletic director, or Conte, Del Conte, I think that's how you say it, uh, at Texas uh, has a great reputation, uh, along with Scott Woodward at LSU, who was at A&M before. Um, so, so those guys, I know half of you don't trust anything Ray Tanner does, which is, you know, we can talk about that later. Uh, but, but I, you know, if, if you don't want to trust Ray, trust those guys. Uh, and Charles Bloom, who has years of experience doing a lot of different things, uh, you know, he's the guy that kind of ran point for Ray on this. So I, I, I'm confident that this is a good move uh, for right now. We'll see how it goes, you know, once everything uh, happens. So anyway, Gamecock's got a new partner for name, image, likeness. That just kind of, that just kind of came across the wire there. So you get some breaking news here on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Gamecock basketball, sad. Um, I understand Arkansas has a – you know, really good team this year. Uh, they're shooting the ball extremely well, like Alabama. I think them and Alabama, obviously, are the, the two best teams in the league when you look at it and they're, they're shooting it. But South Carolina, you know, you go down, you you beat Georgia, 10th straight win over Georgia. And, you know, Frank, after the game last night, says we just came out of there and, uh, you know, uh, or came out flat, we just took bad shots, played selfishly, that type of thing. So, um, uh, again, that's kind of a – for those of you that had any sort of hope after the Georgia win, and I don't think there's many, um, another kick in the gut. Just got to feel bad for Frank and the players that things have kind of turned out this way. But he's right. You know, you, your players play. Um, and there's been issues like this the whole year not guarding anybody, you know, close for a while, gets, you know, get blown out. Uh, and so that stinks. That stinks for the Gamecocks. I don't know what's going to happen at the end of this season. Um, I, I wouldn't even put odds on it right now, you know. Uh, talking to some people over the weekend, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I, I know this, that if you're Frank Martin or anybody associated with South Carolina basketball, you look through the results – uh, losing 109 to 86 at home to an Auburn team that's not going to the anywhere because of probation is unacceptable. Losing at Vanderbilt like that when they're bad is unacceptable. Losing at home to Mississippi State and Ole Miss is always unacceptable in basketball. Uh, getting blown out at home by Missouri is unacceptable. Getting out rebounded like they did at Mississippi State is unacceptable. Uh, and then the Arkansas game is unacceptable. So, they got Kentucky at noon on ESPN Saturday. Uh, Kentucky struggled mightily this year, so it wouldn't shock me uh, completely if if uh, <laughs> if the Gamecocks ended up, um, you know, playing it close or whatever. They're eight and fifteen this year. The Wildcats are, and um, you know, they have been playing better lately. But they lost at Ole Miss and they lost at home to Florida, and they've had some games canceled. They did get up off the mat and beat Tennessee on the road. But, um, you know, they're not all that great. And, and they don't always come to play either. So, we'll see. Now, all that said, 
Is it going to shock me completely if Kentucky runs through the SEC tournament and wins the whole thing? No, not going to be shocked because <laughs> there's talent on that team, just like there's talent on South Carolina's team. Look, uh, and that's the thing about it. You know, people go on and on about because they're obsessed with recruiting rankings uh, in, in basketball of all things. And they go on and on about the recruiting. And look, I admit, you know, you, 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 if you sign all the top guys from the state of South Carolina, you're in business. Even if you sign all of them except Zion, the Zion Williamsons of the world, or the kids like, you know, uh, that uh, North Carolina comes in and wants from time to time. You know, even if, uh, even if you do that, um, you're still going to be in pretty good shape. And I do agree that a problem with the program overall is in-state recruiting. Um, and, and, and that's an issue. And, and look, I, I'll be honest, I, I used to think you could work around it. And when Frank got this team together, I look at it and I'm like, man, well, you know, you, you got A.J. Lawson from Canada, Kusinar from Chicago. Um, you know, the bigs, I think, have a lot of potential. They come from, you know, New Jersey and uh, Canada and, places like that, New York, um, you know, you did get Trey Hannibal from in state, but, uh, you know, you, you sort of look at it and you're like, well, you know, this team and this team won 18 games last year and should have won 21. Should have won 21. Shouldn't have lost at home to Stetson. <laughs> um, shouldn't have gotten off to a bad start last year. Shouldn't have lost at Vandy at the end of last year, but you still think that's not a talent issue. That's a team that, you know, loses it mentally at times and, and, and drops games they shouldn't. Um, but because of this year and because of the way things have gone, you're sitting there at 6-13 and 13 and 4-11 and 11 in the conference, you know, it's still a truth uh, and an undeniable truth that when South Carolina basketball is at its very best and, ha- and when it has been uh, for the past, let's just say the entire – uh, I'll go back before the SEC era because George Felton had some good teams and that was in-state heavy. It's been when they've had some of the best talent from in-state uh, on their team. Now, the Final Four team, of course, Thornwell and Dozier led the way, but you also had a kid from Canada and Dwayne Notice and a, a kid from Estonia and Mike Kotsar and a kid from Africa and Chris Selva uh, that made it happen. So, you know, like I said, you, you don't have to – always get Zion Williamson, just like Eddie Fogler didn't have to get Jermaine O'Neal and Kevin Garnett. But, um, you know, it, it's a proven fact. And until it's not, you have to go with it. And, and I'll admit to you guys, I've always kind of buffed up against that and said, nah, it's, you, you can do it. You can work around this. But, you know, hey, here we are, you know. Um, and uh, And that's what's disappointing about this team. But, you know, people do go on and on about the talent and recruiting. And, and like I said, I think in-state recruiting, obviously you could say, well, it would be nice if someone, Frank or whoever, could, you know, sign 75% of the top guys in the state, but you know, you're not getting hardly any of them. I mean, Za Morant goes to – or Cha Morant went to um, – Cha Morant. Maybe that's the problem. Uh, goes to Murray State over South Carolina. and becomes a lottery – second pick of the draft, all pro. Um, you know, things like that just drive you, just drives you crazy. Um, and, and I, I, you know, so it would be nice if that happens. Now that said, does that mean that the recruiting has been terrible? No, no. 
because it's not like football where, yeah, if you're losing 80% of the good players in your state, you're completely done, uh, you know, if you're South Carolina. Um, in basketball, you can piece it together. And, and Frank's done a good job doing that. It's not a talent issue. It's a situation where guys have been woefully inconsistent. They haven't played up to their potential. They have nights where they just don't show up. Nobody's bought in on defense. You know, uh, people gripe about Frank's style of play that like it's Princeton or Georgetown, like we're, or Virginia. Uh, no, you know, that, that's that they go up and down the court. Uh, the, the style of play is supposed to resemble Nolan Richardson in Arkansas, you know, with the pressure defense, 40, you know, 60 feet of hell or whatever, 45 minutes, 40 minutes of hell. That's what the style. And if you remember the NCAA tournament, that's, that's kind of what it was. You know, that, that's, that's what the style of play is. That's an exciting style of play. It's hard to play if you're a basketball player because you have to play defense. But as far as the style goes, to me, that's, that's exciting. You know, I, I don't see, you know, Frank sitting around throwing it around the, 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 the three-point line and hoping to win a 61-60 to 60 basketball game. You know, that, that's just not the case. They play fast and they play good. It's just, it's just not working this year. And, and I, that's not that it's a bad style, but it's just not working. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. That's my little spiel on, on that. Now, uh, some of you are going to say, well, if there's a coaching change, they can inherit a pretty good team. Probably not because a lot of guys are going to leave. <laughs> and I think when you kind of look at it and see where some of these guys end up, when they transfer, you'll see that there's not, you know, that this isn't, uh, a team that is void of talent or ability or anything like that. So, uh, and look, that's not saying that, you know, there's this big uh, group that, uh, you know, a cult of Frank or whatever that's, you know, oh, I don't want to play for anybody else but him. But you have to think about basketball in general. Whenever there's a coaching change, rosters usually get gutted. I mean, that's usually the case. Um, mass transfers. If, if you can keep them, great. Like Nate Oates at Bama. Kept a lot of his guys intact, great. Now some of them left, but you know if you could do that, super. I mean, you're you're, you're doing well. Uh, you know, I think when Musselman took over at Arkansas, though, a lot of guys left, um, and, and so you got to prepare for that. Um, you know, and 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 that's just basketball. You know, that's just kind of how that sport sort of works, especially with the you don't have to sit transfer rules coming up. Um, yeah, there there'll be some. Major, major transition with Gamecock basketball if there's a change, and, and probably anyway. I mean, I think some of these guys, uh, Lawson in particular, probably move on and uh, and all that. But um, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I just, I, I think, as sad as the football season was, especially at the end where you're going up and playing a Kentucky team and you just can't stop them. They look like freaking 2019 LSU passing and throwing all over your defense. As sad as that was, um, the basketball season is just heartbreaking because uh, you generally like and pull for everybody involved. Um, those of you that don't like the fact Frank says dirty words on the sidelines, you know, obviously you're excused from this conversation because nothing he does is going to make you happy. But, uh, you know, you just hate it for all involved because there was a lot of potential. You know, football – Obviously had some some issues at receiver and offensively outside of Kevin Harris uh, from a talent perspective, personnel perspective. 
Uh, and then the defense goes, you know, and then that was kind of the end of an era where, you know, they're flying the plane along and the engine falls off and then the other engine falls off and, and there you go. Um, but th- this was not expected this year from this basketball team, uh, COVID or not. And, and, and I think you can point to COVID in a big way uh, when you're talking about what's happening now. And then things snowballed. I mean, you know, and, and then they can't get up off the mat. You know, you, you get a little momentum uh, against Texas A&M in the opener, then the next two games are, are canceled. Um, and then you go to LSU, you play your butt off. Yeah, Frank doesn't even – he's not there. It's Bruce Shingler coaches the team. You know, you, you kind of had that one within reach. Uh, and then you go to Missouri and get beat. And then the, really the Auburn game is when it really started, I guess, coming apart. But then you go beat Georgia. I mean, I don't know what it is about Texas A&M and Georgia and Florida. The Gamecocks <laughs> kind of have their number. But then you go and lose to Vanderbilt. I don't know what it is about Vanderbilt, like South Carolina's number or whatever. I mean, Alabama won the SEC, and the Gamecocks play them within three. You know, so again, I don't, I don't know how much talent uh, is playing a factor. Are the Gamecocks full of a bunch of future NBA players? No, but a lot of teams aren't. You know, especially the teams they play. So anyway, enough about basketball. It's sad, in my opinion. Um, uh, I just. Uh, and like I said, I, I don't really know uh, what's going to happen. Um, back to football. We are approximately, or not approximately, we're 17 days from the start of spring practice. Love the fact they're starting a little later this year. Uh, you know, gives everybody a chance to really uh, go through Luke Day and the off season, get to know the new coaches a little bit. Uh, I think it's after spring break, so you don't have an interruption. Uh, and they're going to go through install. And, and, you know, there are a lot of storylines. You know, for example, the secondary, you know, I think people are kind of just looking for players that can help because, you know, that, that, that group, speaking of gutted, that group was sort of gutted with all the departures. By the way, spoke to a source of not trying to make anybody sad out there, but spoke to a source at Florida State. Said Jamie Robinson in all season workouts has been, I mean, they think he may be the best player on their defense next year. Uh, which kind of makes you cringe because he was part of probably the worst secondary I've ever seen at South Carolina in terms of just inexplicably giving up big plays and things like that. I don't think it was Jamie's fault. You know, Jamie, you know, played his ass off for, for two years for the Gamecocks and, you know, wanted a fresh start. And obviously uh, I said this yesterday on the podcast, if it helps FSU, it doesn't necessarily hurt Carolina because, you know, somebody in the Atlantic Division in the ACC has to step up. FHU is better suited than anybody. Um, and then, uh, you know, you got Florida down there, too, that the Gamecocks have to play and beat every year. Uh, so, and, I, and look, I wouldn't mind Carolina doing a home-and-home home with FSU, but, they, you know, they got Miami, Virginia Tech, NC State all coming up. And then, of course, uh, in 2025, you got the, the kickoff, Chick-fil-A kickoff game against Virginia Tech. So, those are sort of the ACC schools they targeted. But, you know, so, so I don't think it's bad. But, you know, back to the point, you're looking at the secondary and uh, names to step up. And uh, we got Marcellus Dial. Uh, his name, you know, was passed along to us as a guy that in in workouts, he's much faster than people thought. Now he's, for those of you that don't know who Marcellus Dial is, he was a 
junior college transfer, actually committed to the previous staff. Uh, he's a kid. Bobby Bentley uh, evaluated him and stuff, kind of went to bat for him coming out of high school at Woodruff in Spartanburg County, home of Tony Rice and uh, Derek Jones and uh, one heck of an REO Speedwagon fundraising concert back in the 80s after the school burnt down. Um, Woodruff is a in Spartanburg County and uh, uh, kind of near where I'm from, so I'm very familiar with the Wolverines. But, uh, you know, really great player for them. Uh, ends up having to go to junior college. Not a lot of film on him coming out of junior college. Junior college season gets canceled, whatever. Um, early enrollee, though. Uh, and so far, you know, there were no times on this kid, you know, no 40 times, nothing like that. He just had good film. It looked like he played fast in high school. His Juco film, you couldn't really tell. Uh, and so far, you know, they're talking about him being one of the fastest players in the secondary. Now, you know, hopefully that means there's other fast guys. Uh, so you got a good report on him. And then Tony Morrell today uh, had a good report on uh, David Spalding. Uh, and Spalding is a guy – didn't play a whole lot at Georgia Southern last year. Did start breaking into the lineup at some point. Six-two corner that can run, uh, and it worked out so far. You know he, he's looking pretty good. Now uh, I said this when they signed Spalding. I was like, he's got a long time to go. So you know, whereas other transfers, maybe you kind of uh, you're like, well, they got to step in and play right away. But you, you just you know, Spalding's a guy. You're like, well, you know, if he plays. Special teams are in a reserve role, um, I guess, early. Uh, then you still got a lot of time for him. But it was reported by Tony Morrell that he's caught the coach's eye. And there's a lot of other guys that have too. So, uh, you know, those are kind of some potential answers in the secondary. Now, I'm not saying that they are. Uh, I kind of think you probably have Cam Smith at one corner and you know, maybe Joey Hunter or Dial at the other. I still think this kid coming that's not there yet. He's coming in from JUCO, uh, from Georgia, another kid from Georgia military, uh, Isaiah Norris, who played at T.L. Hannah. I still think he's got a shot to start, really, uh, on film, depending on how much he weighs, because he's listed six foot 170. Um, sometimes those are a little generous. So you hope he's not 160 coming in. Um, but, you know, that, that's a guy, too. So, you know, there's a lot of names in the secondary that, that, that have to kind of shake out. Same at linebacker, same at receiver. Um, so there's a lot of storylines. But the number one storyline, I think, will probably be the quarterback battle because it should be. Uh, and that's when you have Luke Doty versus Jason Brown. And I'm not going to handicap it. Uh, I'm not going to say uh, until we're further down the road who I think will win the job. I'm just going to say it's going to be a battle. And I think that, you know, you're coming in with a situation where you got to transfer with experience. That's a big kid with a good arm. That's, you know, mobile enough. Uh, and then Doty has the wheels and, and, you know, we saw him play at the end of last year, gave the team a spark. Uh, obviously, you know, he has, he did not, he had not mastered the intricacies of the passing game yet, but, I think if you'd have thrown Steven Garcia, Connor Shaw, Dylan Thompson, uh, anybody out there uh, as a freshman, some of the really good ones, you, you know, you're probably going to get the same result. Um, Ryan Holinsky, you had the same result. He just had, you know, longer to play and, and had a Brian Edwards to help him. And 
uh, you know, that was a little bit different situation. You know, Jake Bentley, uh, when he came in, played as a true freshman, he, uh, you know, he had some great games and he had some tough games. But Jake, Jake was a guy that, that came in a little more ready to roll uh, than just coming in at the end of a year during a transition where you don't have any receivers and, uh, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, and I don't know that, you know, I know Mike Bobo had installed some things for down the road with Luke, for Luke Doty and Gunnar Stott in a quarterback run game, but that wasn't really the plan heading into the season, obviously, with Colin Hill. So, you know, point of all that is those of you that are out there, you know, talking about how Doty's got to get a lot better at passing the ball, uh, you're correct, but that comes with experience with most quarterbacks. Um, and those guys I mentioned that ended up being pretty good uh, when all was said and done, um, you know, those guys probably would have had similar experiences. Uh, you know, of course, those guys had some receivers around them that were <laughs> pretty good and things like that. So uh, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch. And, and I think that the offense is going to kind of mold uh, in terms of, um, you know, who wins the, the job, you know. And, and I think, too, I talked about receiver – that's going to be important as well because, you know, if you got Jason Brown out there, you know, and maybe you're a little light on receiver, maybe he throws a little better, but, you know, you, you got to move the ball. And if you're dropping balls and stuff like that, and hopefully Justin Stepp can maximize these guys and some of the newcomers will be a little more sure-handed and, you know, you haven't given up on some of the guys that are there. But, but you, you sit there and look at it, you know, well, you still got to move the ball and, you know, you kind of like your chances with the two backs and your offensive line and your H backs. And, you know, that if your quarterback can run that, that all of a sudden becomes problematic for a defense. Uh, but these days you got to throw it. So, you know, it, it's going to be fascinating to see who wins the job. And I know the one thing I do know is both are working hard. I know the staff really likes both uh, players and, and thinks that, um, you know, thinks they both have a chance, but that 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 competition starts right away, and um, it, I think it's going to be a heck of a competition because you're dealing with two guys that are extremely competitive. Um, you know, the, the, there's a reason they took Jason Brown. Uh, there's a reason Jason Brown was confident enough to make the move from St. Francis. Um, he's a confident kid. So is Luke Doty and has been since the day he stepped on campus. So you're dealing with two guys that aren't going to let it go easy. Uh, and so I think that's going to be really something to watch in the spring. So stay tuned to the big this podcast, uh, wherever else you get your Gamecock information. And we're certainly going to be all talking about that moving forward. All right. Good to be with you today. Uh, no mailbag questions today. So, um, I kind of looked at it and I was like, man, I think I start doing this more often again because I'm not getting any mailbag questions. So hit me up inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com or tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. I told you earlier about all the social media accounts and all that. And I love to read your questions because I love for it to be uh, interactive here on the Big Spur Pod. We'll have, uh, I promise we'll have at least one more episode this week uh, here. Uh, And also catch me on JB and Goldwater. Uh, that starts at uh, 1230 Eastern. You can go download the JB and Goldwater app, uh, stream their show live every day. I think it's the best after sports talk show in the state of South Carolina. If, if you like the Gamecocks and, and you like just South Carolina sports in general, uh, they're based out of Charleston, but it is a statewide show. They have great guests. They had Whittle on earlier this week, David Kalanager's on, Wes Mitchell, 
uh, all all the Gamecock folks, but they also, you know, have some Clemson folks and some PGA folks and some musical guests, and uh, it's just a great show. Uh, and and I do a, a good solid hour with them uh, every Wednesday, and certainly would love for you guys to join us on that. And you can get it on their app, uh, also on Twitter it streams at JB and Goldwater. Also streams on YouTube. Um, they're everywhere, so check out JB and Goldwater. And I got to go prepare for that. All right, have a good day, everyone, out there in Gamecock land. Uh, this is J.C. Sherbert inside the Gamecocks podcast. Holler at you soon.